that it, Justin? Do you, do you want to sing the X-Men theme song for a little bit? Uh, how does that go again? Oh, yeah. That's all you got. Nice. Hey, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. If you could not tell from Justin's little mini intro song, we are talking X-Men Dark Phoenix. It is Justin, Heather, and I. We were going to be talking about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between. And we're starting this off with the uh, Justin. I gave up in the middle of that sentence. Justin, what did you like about X-Men Dark Phoenix? Oh, man, what did I like? Uh... Not much, but yeah, but, but uh, <laughs> we got to get through, but we got a show to do. So, oh man. Well, I mean, I guess just uh, first and foremost, I mean, I'm always going to give my hat off to uh, some of the actors in this film because a lot of these actors are really good um, and they are good here. Um, as far as the acting is concerned, maybe not so much the story, but we'll get the dislikes in a minute. But overall, I thought that the acting, uh, again, was respectable by this particular class of X-Men. Um, James McAvoy is is always a treat to watch as Charles Xavier. I think that he has done the character well as far as his acting is concerned. And, um, and, and you know, he always, I feel like, maximizes um his time with that character whenever it's time for another x-men movie so i always appreciate him i always enjoy watching him on screen he does great with his interactions with all the other members of the x-men and i mean he's a very good professor xavier uh i can echo the same thing about michael fassbender as magneto even though this definitely um it is kind of a pattern with Magneto that we've seen before, like, oh, I'm I'm kind of living my life and I'm kind of secluding myself from everything. And then, of course, something kind of pulls him back into the mix with the X-Men. But as far as the acting is concerned, uh, Michael Fassbender, again, is another person that's just so appealing to watch. They just everything from him and McAvoy, their facial expressions, everything that they do on screen, how they interact, how they can look concerned or look worried and they just uh have a way of making you care uh making you pay attention to what they're doing on screen so of course i appreciated them um and then there were some other acting performances that i thought were very respectable in this film as well uh nicholas holt uh hank mccoy beast uh I, i felt like he got a lot more in this movie. He got a lot more um, with his role uh, in this film and he got a lot more speaking parts, got a lot more interactions with uh, Charles Xavier and things like that. And, and I thought for the most part, acting acting wise, he he rose to the task. He was right. You know, he was right there. He had the same uh, level of acting skill as James McAvoy, and Michael Fassbender. Anytime they called upon him to deliver a line or be there for a certain scene. I thought that he did very well as Hank McCoy. He was smart, but at the same time, he was conflicted and all of that came across very well to me. So another person who my hat's off to. And then lastly, Sophie Turner, our, our good old Sansa Stark. Um, she, you know, I don't have a problem with her acting either in this film. 
I feel like with what she was given, she did the best job that she could. Um, but she's a, a very good Jean Grey. And I thought that most of her emotions, when she needed to be angry, when she needed to be sad, different things like that, those emotions came off and they resonated with me. So as far as the acting performances, I think that that's pretty much uh one of the things that stood out about this film is the acting and uh, well i don't well maybe standouts the wrong word if anything it's consistent because we've seen these characters for a while now we've seen a number of x-men movie movies with these um actors and they always show up you know i don't think there's ever a time where I felt like they phoned it in or anything like that. Even when the story hasn't been its best, you can always depend on these actors to give a good performance. Uh, as far as a, a, maybe a favorite scene of mine, even though, you know, we'll get to the dislikes and I'm, it's funny how I just keep going back to that, but we'll get to the dislikes about like, like how the scene might be kind of a repeat or something that they've done before. But uh, when it came to the action sequences, one one that I really did like was the train sequence, though I wish that they may have could have been fighting in a more open area and things like that. But it was kind of cool. There was some good choreography with Nightcrawler uh, where he goes goes mad and he's really starts murking people. That was pretty cool to see him teleporting and disappearing, reappearing, murking people. Magneto really shined in that scene also. And there was a part where he kind of separates some of the train cars and that was kind of a neat scene. And then there was a scene where um, our antagonist, uh, Jessica Chastain, and I forget the name of the, the Vuk. Vuk? Is that how you say that? Vuk? Vuk? fuck whatever her name was the alien who fucking cares <laughs> Vuk. vuk okay vuk so whenever she's walking through the subway train and there's a part where magneto is uh using his powers of magnetism and he and all these guns just come up from off of shelves and off of people and everything and they're all aimed at her and that was a really neat scene you know and they all fired at the same time and they didn't really do anything to her or whatever but i thought that that was just a neat visual uh other than that i mean uh, the, I think that's pretty much it for me as far as my overall likes for this film. Heather, your turn. It's funny because a lot of the things that you say, I'm, I mean, I'm kind of echoing that same sentiment in a lot of it. Um, I know it seems to be sort of my, my go-to of likes with some of the films that, you know, we've seen and reviewed lately. Uh, but the performances were probably the thing I liked about this movie the most. Like Jason was saying, uh, Sophie Turner did great for what she was given to work with um, Michael Fassbender. And I think it's Nicholas Holt is his name. Uh, they were great. I liked, um, and he was beast or Hank. Um, I liked, I liked seeing a vulnerable Magneto and Fassbender was really awesome at that. So I did appreciate that. Um, I love James McAvoy. I always like his work. I think he's just a stellar actor um, overall. And honestly, I really, I, maybe I'm in the minority here, but I kind of, I really liked, Jessica Chastain in this a lot. She played the antagonist role as someone who, like, she more so verbally manipulates things. I guess by that, I just mean um, she's very eloquent and calm in her speech. And it just kind of makes for a very great creepy factor for this villainous character. And I really just, I think she pulled it off really well. Um, she was 
in my opinion, she was one of the more compelling characters of the film overall, maybe because I haven't seen her in one of the movies before. So I was like, what's this character about? But I think that she did a good job as the villain in this role. And I've never actually seen her in a role like that before. So um, I, I actually think she did a good job with it. Um, I also do like in this movie how they dug into Jean's backstory in this, um, you know, and how she's feeling the trauma that occasionally pops up due to her memories that are supposedly erased, but, you know, they kind of keep resurfacing somehow. Um, Sophie Turner played the confused and urgent part of wanting to know what's happening to her really well for the most part. Um, and also just showing how, um, how she meets Professor X, um, for the first time was cool. I, it was, it was a good moment in the film and sort of shows why she trusted him for so long. So I think that that was a really cool foundation to start the movie off with. Um, aside from the performances, I did like the, the scene toward the end. And I, it's funny how, Jason, you were talking about that train scene. Um, I did like it kind of when it's at the peak of their fighting between the mutants and everything. And they pan above the train and they show you a little of what's going on in each train car. That was really cool. I thought how they shot that was really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I enjoyed at the end, you know, spoiler alert for everyone who doesn't realize we're doing that. Um, <laughs> I did enjoy at the end, uh, Jean, you know, she overcame her, her anger at everyone and she chose to protect the people that she's considered family. You just see her battling to know how to control this power she has. And ultimately, she was able to will herself to do what's right. So that was a really, you know, good, cool way to end it, I guess. And um, I do I do also have an issue with that journey of, you know, that she has with her powers. But, you know, we'll get to that later. Um, so, yeah, those are the things that were my likes. <laughs> All right, cool. So uh, I guess now we're on the dislikes. Um not one like <laughs> not one oh shit i got likes right <laughs> um fuck this movie <laughs> fuck it fuck this movie in its stupid fucking face all right so on to dislikes um <laughs> yeah no i'm gonna continue <laughs> my likes into the dislike like. section fuck this movie just fuck it like i mean anything that you guys said like all those things you guys said like acting performances like so let's just take the same characters james mcavoy He's done a better version of Professor X in other movies. Yep. Fassbender's done a better Magneto. Jessica Chastain has been a better Jessica Chastain in other <laughs> movies. Um, Sophie Turner was a, you know, a better flaming Sansa Stark in Game of Thrones than this. Um, Nicholas Holt played a angsty teenager better in Warm Bodies than in this. Um, oh, no. <laughs> oh, he was in Warm know. Bodies. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um. I don't know. I'm pretty sure Jennifer Lawrence has died better in other movies. Uh, I've seen I've seen better, you know, floating, glowing people in outer space in other movies. Uh, I've seen better train shit in other X-Men movies. Um, I've seen better Nightcrawler killing a bunch of people while teleporting around in other movies. Uh, there's just not a single fucking thing this movie did that another movie hasn't done before better. I mean... <laughs> I understand that this movie was supposed to come out before Captain Marvel and everything, but it didn't. So it rips off Captain Marvel a ton. Uh, it rips off itself a ton. I mean, it it, it rips off X-Men Last Stand just a ton. And that's just surprising considering, you know, up until X-Men Apocalypse of the actual core X-Men films, X-Men Last Stand was considered the worst. And somebody just went, hey, let's do that shit again. Can't get enough of that garbage. Let's just have a bunch of random faceless mutants 
that for whatever reason get a ton of screen screen time i mean i'm not a huge expert on x-men i do know them fairly well i mean especially if it's like 90s x-men 90s x-men like straight well not all the 90s roughly 94 to 99 i know a shit ton about that x-men and i just i don't really know of any mutants that matter that have prehensile dreadlocks that they use to whip people but you would think based on this movie that that is one of the most important mutant x-men characters to ever exist because he gets nine hours of fucking screen time (laughs) just like x-men last stand when they were just like oh we're just going to arbitrarily throw faceless vaguely powered mutants all over the goddamn place like why couldn't they just have pyro like why didn't you do a new version of pyro and just have him be that guy like dude fuck it make him tall white and russian and make it just and if you really want whippy things make it omega red yeah like why go why go for generic whippy haired mutant why like you've got all of the entirety of mutant characters to pull from and you just go eh, vague guy and he's not even just a guy that gets killed he's a central character fuck if i know if he has a name but he's a central character like from once he appears until the end of the movie he's just there and almost every goddamn scene he's just there whipping his hair back and forth like he's fucking willow smith <laughs> i mean just there is not a single fucking original thought in this in this whole fucking steaming pile of hot shit of a movie just at all i mean even going down to the whole like oh we need to show that the phoenix is bad let's have it kill an x-men oh like you did in the last one with the phoenix and it's it's, it's really funny because I, I i read an interview with simon kingsbury or douchenals or whatever the fuck this guy's name is and he was talking about he, he didn't realize the similarities uh between this and last stand until they were editing the movie and i find that incredibly hard to believe because he fucking wrote x-men last stand too yeah like what the hell really he, he said that yes he's like oh i didn't realize that you, you how the fuck did you not realize it you wrote the same goddamn movie twice how do you not know that i mean and, and can we talk about the fucking dubai or whatever the fuck that alien race is that alien race that i feel like has appeared like three times in comics ever and then they fucking introduce them and at, like and they're pretty much the scroll but the diet coke version <laughs> Like they're the Diet Coke with Splenda version of the fucking scroll. Just green, shape shifting, wrinkly ass aliens. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. And they have they have zero the charisma of a fucking what's his name? Um Michael uh oh fuck, Ben Mendelssohn. Yeah. From Captain Marvel. Like they just those like and I'm sorry, Heather, but including Jessica Chastain, none of them have the fucking presence on screen to even fucking be Ben Mendelsohn's scroll. I mean, I'll agree with that. Like they wouldn't even cut it. I, it's just none of it mattered. And then like at the end of the movie, they were like, hey, how many could random faceless aliens can we throw at this fucking thing? And like at no point do you really actually feel like anything is going to matter because while yeah, they took out Celine, which don't even get me started on that. I mean, Celine is really depending on which version of the character you're looking at. She could be the actual only mutant older than Apocalypse, or she might actually be a witch. Um, and that depends on how the character, but either way, she's Omega level powerful as fuck. 
thrown away just thrown the fuck away like literally she's thrown off the fucking train like it doesn't matter i mean fucking willow smith 2.0 lasts longer than she does yeah and so you just have these uh, these faceless fucking beings but they're like all fucking bum rushing this fucking train which i don't know is this 1991 are trains still exciting i know this movie is actually based in 1992 but this movie was made now are trains exciting again like (laughs) it really made me think they were trying to be like mission impossible at the end of that first mission impossible movie with excitement on a train (laughs) like it's just fuck it's boring like apparently the original ending was going to have them fighting in outer space but they were like oh well captain marvel came out before us but yeah you went to reshoots like 97 times sorry it passed you like they've been like trying to run like this huge running joke anytime anybody asks them about all the reshoots a lot of the actors are like oh well we it was going to be in outer space but some other movie stole it from us wink wink captain marvel and i'm like well okay if it did because it fucking came out before you fuck off like don't make such a garbage movie that it has to get reshot 97 times like make a movie that can actually fucking just come out in a coherent timetable how about that then it'd be captain marvel stole from you but fuck it you now look like the piece of shit that's unoriginal because you couldn't get your fucking act together but so you have all these fucking faceless aliens and at no point did you i actually feel like any of the actual cast was in danger like none because ultimately you then still had jean gray as the phoenix yes she was like in a coma or with a power inhibitor on her neck and all this other stuff but she's still the phoenix which is like the ultimate trump card in the fucking comics like oh it doesn't matter who you get through you're not getting through the phoenix even in this like none of that made sense and it also doesn't make sense when jean gray is the phoenix how the fuck can she be all powerful and then that alien still kind of remotely stand a chance against her like like these aliens were so randomly overpowered at times like she's powerful enough to like kind of go toe to toe with the phoenix a little bit but then they're all able to be beat by some fucking like split ends from a fucking guy whipping his hair around like come on wildly just inconsistent bullshit and you know this might be controversial to all you like weird x-men fans out there but fuck dazzler and fuck this dazzler cameo (laughs) i know that for whatever weird reason x-men fans get some stupid weird fetishized boner for this character but she's garbage and her cameo in this was fucking garbage it doesn't matter who the fuck actually wants dazzler in anything Ooh, i can make some fucking sparkly lights who gives a fuck most pointless goddamn fucking character in the x-men and that's saying a lot considering there's a fucking guy that's like a protoplasm thing with a skeleton like there are fucking mutants that are just ugly like that is their mutant ability is to just be ugly and they are still infinitely more useful than fucking dazzler ever has been and yet everybody flips their fucking shit because oh dazzler's in this movie well like that dazzler cameo just sums up the entirety of this movie fucking pointless like they're all fucking sitting there in the fucking field out and like having a party and all this other shit and they're just like oh do you hear what they're calling you calling you phoenix because you rose from the dead do you know what kids don't do give nicknames that actually have a point (laughs) exactly yeah that was dumb kids don't kids don't give nicknames that because it like actually like means something unless it's mean you know like you know if you're the kid that shit your pants in sixth grade they're they're, you know they're probably going to call you shit pants or something they'll do that you know but like 
you're not going to be somebody that like you you know has a near death experience and then lives and then they start calling you a mythological bird. That's just not what kids do. If anything, they're going to look at you weird because you didn't die. And even in the realm of X Men shit, that scene where she like absorbs the Phoenix Bird, which why the fuck did that thing look like a weird cloud spaghetti monster tendril fuck thing? Yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't, just have it be a fiery fucking bird. You had it be a fiery fucking bird every other time you showed it in the movie. Like, why is it then just a weird shapeless blob that's just sitting there in outer space? I guess waiting for Jean Grey to come to it, even though it was drawn to her. And then on top of that, why the fuck did it show her having Phoenix powers at the end of X-Men Apocalypse? When do you want to put in this movie that she has nothing until she gets the fucking Phoenix Force in her? Just what the fuck, guys? You literally can't remember the thirty sec- last 30 seconds of the last movie you did, and you're saying that this is the sequel? And also, why did you put this movie in the 90s? No one looks like they've aged a bit since the last one, maybe over like three years, and the last one wasn't made in 1989 or wasn't placed in 1989. Just none of it lines up. And then you have all these fucking characters that disappear. And also, I understand that you know Jennifer Lawrence you know, had a big hand in resurrecting the X-Men franchise and all this other stuff. But now she's a big star and doesn't want to put on all the blue makeup and doesn't want to do all this shit. So she's got all these weird contract stipulations where, you know, she won't be in the makeup for that long. And whenever she does, she's going to be wearing like the X-Men suit too. So she's not having to do the full body makeup. I get that. It probably really sucks to have all that happen. I don't blame her 100% for that. But at the same time, they don't even fucking bother being in this movie because there's zero fucking port for mistake being in there. Every single goddamn thing she said was stupid. Every single fucking thing she did on the fucking screen was stupid. I mean, even when she died, it was just stupid. Like everything about it was stupid. And then like even down to like their character choices they had to make for her just to fit within the whole contract thing. So when she's out around all the, the normal human people, she's all fucking blue mystique and all this other stuff. And, you know, living the whole mantra of like no be mutant and proud and then all of a sudden she gets to the x-mansion and everybody's cheering for him and like hey guys yay the x-men yay then she turns (laughs) human she goes and puts her human face on to be around all the mutants yeah what the actual fuck does that mean no goddamn sense but i guarantee she had some weird thing in her fucking contract where she could only be in makeup for a total like 10 minutes of screen time and they're like well fuck we need at least 20 minutes to waste your time to kill off your character for no fucking reason whatsoever. You could have just not been in the movie and it would have just had the same fucking impact. And we could have just had her kill, I don't know, a fucking squirrel because that's the emotional resonance that fucking scene actually had. And But no, they just had to fucking waste their goddamn money on that instead of, I don't know, making a better fucking movie. How about you not pay J-Law the like fucking probably like $27 million you paid her for fucking 20 minutes and actually get a fucking director that I don't know knows how to direct a goddamn film. Maybe then save some of the other fucking money to put it to a screenwriter that's just not going to rewrite his own fucking movie. Like Fox is literally paying this guy royalties for (laughs) X-Men Last Stand and this movie when he literally turned in the same fucking script. But all of them are so fucking stupid, they didn't even realize it. And no wonder they fucking got sold off to Disney. I'm done. Fuck this movie. Heather, what did you not like? That might have actually been more than your Venom rant almost. Boom. (laughs) You dropped the mic on that one. That was hardcore. (laughs) Oh, I cut myself off early. I'm waiting for you and Justin to say some shit. Because if you don't say the rest of my shit, I'm going to wrap it up again after that. So... I got I'm just you. a little out of breath and thirsty. I <laughs> want to smoke a fucking cigarette. Got it. Okay. I'm well, letting other people you know, talk. You do what you got to do. 
I'm parched. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I will agree that it was not, not the greatest of movies <laughs> that I've ever seen. My first dislike that I'll mention is the pacing of the story. Not that this movie felt like it was extremely short or anything like that, but I feel like they didn't expand in the right things or structure the events well without it feeling like they were just throwing it in for major moments to happen in order to just get it in the movie. Um, sort of as I, you know, I mentioned in my likes with her uh, in the end using these powers to do the right thing, but it's almost like they didn't they didn't know how to transition her going from anger and unable to contain this what happens to her to just perfect control at the end of it somehow. Um, and another example, the fact that, you know, Jean's father is still alive, which we find out in this movie. It was the it was this moment of realization and then immediately to the drastic measure of going to find him. Not really a whole lot of in between there. And um, and then Raven gets killed by Jean accidentally and they pretty much skim over the funeral and the death and all of that and how it's affected most people except for Beast and Professor X which is extra weird because of how big a deal that character has been um you know and when and also when Jean goes to visit Magneto she has a vague conversation with him about wanting to stop herself from hurting anyone else and then um, you know, just trying to figure out, you know, how do you stop this? How did you stop? Because I want to stop. And then it just cuts to her killing people and crashing helicopters in a fit of rage. <laughs> and then she's suddenly just gone. And, you know, even though she's she's traveled all this way and it seems like it's just this desperate attempt for help, then just leaves before she can even have a chance to learn anything from him about it. So just things like that were that they just felt uneven in how they presented the different um, events or how they built those things that happened. I also think that um, even though I liked the performances for the most part, they had some really cheesy or unnecessary dialogue <laughs> that kind of drove me crazy. Like when the when Raven is arguing with Professor X and she says something to him about you know why are the women always saving the men? It should be called X women. That thing that she did that just I kind of agree with Sterling. It's kind of like. Anything she said or did, it was kind of like, meh. you know, it was fine, but it was, I don't know. Anyways, but uh, it just felt like that was way too forced and ultimately just added no point. Um, because after that conversation, it honestly just went nowhere and was never even a factor brought up again. It just felt like they, they wanted to have a feminist women empowerment moment, which I had no issues with in general, obviously, but it just felt like um, here... They just they they were saying that and doing it just to be relevant and similar to other superhero movies as of late where that's been a huge thing. You know, um, it, it just didn't feel natural for how it was set up here. And it came off more as cheesy than anything else. And then again, uh, when when they come looking for Gene where Magneto's at and the helicopters start going crazy and he tells them it's not him doing it. Then Jean flies down and is like, it's me. You know, it was just like that scene would have been perfectly fine and honestly better if she just had said no words at that time. If she had just flown down and said nothing, it would have made more of a statement than her just telling them it's her. Like, hey, it's me, guys. You know, like <laughs> that's me doing it. It just felt weird. And there was just a handful of moments like that where it just kind of irked me a bit. Um, 
And then speaking about Nightcrawler, like Justin, you were talking about some of his good scenes earlier in your likes. What I don't understand, um, I don't understand why him seeing this guard die on the train. Um, like, why is that something that really set him off so much? I mean, unless I'm missing something, it's not like it, he knew him or anything. So I was confused by it. But what's up? Tell me. Well, no, the, the reason why is because when they're all arrested and the guards walking the train, um, he says some weird throwaway line to Nightcrawler about like, my kids have your toys or my kids look up to you or, you know, something oh, like that. Oh, okay. And he, when he says it, he says it to Kurt, to Nightcrawler. Okay. So when that guard dies, is, and that's why it sets him off, because he's like, I'm thinking of that guard's kids, because that's the weirdest motivation you have to have to fight off an alien force yeah. that's already attacking <laughs> you and killing your friend. You know, they want to kill you and your friends. Zero motivation. Kill random fucking guard that says he has kids and, you know, they like him. Yeah. Murder rampage <laughs> afterwards. I know. And, and I was... for all you know, he could have been a shitty father. He could have, you know, been abusive as fuck. He could be a raging alcoholic and beat his kids every night. He could have actually not talked to his kids in the last like four years. <laughs> I know. I was, know. Just, I was just very confused by it because I was like, that was an awful lot of just anger and motivation that he just suddenly got from that. That I was like, he didn't even seem that upset when Raven died. <laughs> like, what happened? You know, it was just really off putting. It was very weird. So, okay. But I guess that, I mean, that's a little bit better motivation than just nothing, I guess, because <laughs> that's what it felt like. Um, but yeah, so that's that. I mean, I guess that's pretty much my, the ones of the dislikes that I, they really kind of stand out for me. All right. I'm sorry, Justin. Hold on. <laughs> I got to say, okay. Oh boy. So Heather brought up the mystique line of like, you know, it should be ex women, you know, because, you know, the women are saving the day constantly and doing all this other stuff. I get the point. I get the message. Maybe say something like that at the end of the movie, you know, when Gene had saved, like, saved the universe or, I don't know, whatever the fuck the stakes were in this movie. I don't fucking know. But whenever <laughs> she saved whatever from whatever, then maybe say it, you know, because Storm did some storm shit, you know, and save some shit, I guess. I don't do fucking say that line then. Don't say that after the space thing where pretty much it was kind of 50 50 nightcrawler did a lot of things that helped right. save some people quicksilver did a lot of things that helped save some people you know they all kind of did some stuff it just didn't I mean, fit yeah like i mean i understand that gene gray did almost die and she was the only one whose life was i guess in danger at that point but i mean they actually all did more than mystique did mystique didn't do a fucking thing other than say some shit like, go, go do this, go do that. Beast is the one that at least flew the fucking plane. Cyclops, for whatever reason, now his optic blasts are energy based, which unless the comic changed that recently, they're actually a concussive force. It's not actually a laser. I understand it looks like a laser, but it's this is he was created in the 60s. They didn't know how to do shit. It was it's, it's actually a concussive force. It's not energy based. So I don't know. Apparently it's an energy based based thing that he can shoot through a periscope into a laser gun. No fuck if I know anymore. And you know, storm created ice in, in, in outer space, which I already thought outer space was cold, but somehow she makes some fucking ice appear. Fuck. If I know how that happens, which did it bother anybody else in this, that she was just more or less lightning ice man. All her powers in this were ice based <laughs> or fucking lightning based. Like she made fucking yeah. ice cubes. I'm like, since when are you fucking ice man? 
She made ice appear out of nowhere, which that's also fucking impossible because if they're even basing it off Iceman's version of creating ice, he does it based on the moisture in the air. Guess what's not happening in fucking outer space? Fucking moisture that's not fucking frozen already because it's fucking cold anyway in space. But then somehow she magically creates weather in a fucking thing that doesn't have weather, which is the vacuum of space. But somehow her weather powers fucking magically work. (sighs) Sorry, Justin. Do you need another we'll cigarette? Continue the shit. Go ahead. No, just keep going. Justin, <laughs> carry the carry carry the torch. <laughs> Woo! Okay, X Men. All right. Um, man, God, where to begin? I mean, there's just so much to talk about. But I'll just try to simplify this and go through it as best I can. Well, uh, and both of you kind of alluded to some things, but man. Uh, the thing that just irked me the most about this was just the constant character motivations and th- things that this narrative made these characters do and say that just really didn't add up when you look at the grand scheme of things. Like, for instance, y'all are talking about Mystique. And yeah, I do agree that that line does come off as corny and cheesy, even though it was supposed to be maybe like a female empowerment moment. It definitely didn't come off like that. And you guys explained it well, you know, given the scene that we had just saw, it looked like it took a pretty solid team effort to save Gene or for that to happen to Gene and them to get back and everything like that. So, but the biggest problem I have with all of that is that Mystique went from Okay, I could understand you being a little upset with Charles Xavier. I could understand you being upset with the situation and being like, look, one of our team members almost died. But it seemed really quick for her. I mean, but she went from uh, Charles Xavier, I'm frustrated to you, to full on fuck Charles Xavier. And I just didn't like that. That was such a a sharp, sharp turn for that character to make just all of a sudden oh well i don't care about charles xavier and he's definitely the bad guy that just was so out of nowhere and we didn't get enough scenes nothing uh we didn't get the levity that that um emotional change demanded and man this and i feel like that is a microcosm for the film because it happened with um mystique in that instance and for the few for the few um moments that she was on screen it happened with her but it happens with other characters constantly in this film like um and then another thing that just didn't add up for me as far as character motivations and actions okay charles xavier okay i know that that him suppressing mutants memories and things like that i know that this is um a behavior that he has done before i know that he has done this before in comic books and things like that but the reasons that they give him here just don't add up to me. Like, I could understand if we're going off of the last movie, as Sterling implied, where we thought that Jean had some of the Phoenix Force in her already. However, when you look at this movie as just an isolated narrative, those connections don't matter. That, that, that doesn't matter at all, those connections. So... So when we're looking at this movie, the her whole Phoenix powers came from this floaty, stringy, spaghetti-looking thing in space. So 
Back to Charles Xavier. So you suppress Jean's memories. Why? Okay, I get that she was a when she was a child, and she and you didn't want her to be traumatized by what happened with her parents and everything like that. But is that any excuse to keep those memories suppressed when she's an older woman, when she's old enough to be able to handle this information and you know who she is and after your tutelage and you know that Gene is a good person, wouldn't she be ready then to receive the information that her father was still alive? Couldn't, wouldn't she have been a mature enough woman to handle that information? Now, you know, so I didn't understand why he did that, man, or at least kept it from her for that long. That just didn't make sense to me. I can understand if you thought that Jean was a ticking time bomb or that she was dangerous or she couldn't control her emotions. But what precedent did Charles Xavier have to keep this information from her for that long into her adulthood? Maybe her childhood, but you know, when, you know, just like any parent, there are things that they may withhold from you when you're younger because you can't process that. Maybe you're not ready to process that. But when you're older, they tell you that shit. They have those talks with you. They, they, they do the, you know, they tell you that stuff. So this felt like something that Charles Xavier could have just shared with her when she was older. This didn't feel like what the movie tried to make it, this huge weight, this huge thing that was holding her down. And it kind of is the basis for this entire conflict with her and Xavier. And it just felt stupid to me. And maybe that was just me, but that that just felt stupid because I, I just all I kept telling myself is that you could have shared this with her the moment she turned 18, the moment she turned 20. Hell, when she turned 21, why didn't you just tell her this? Hey, your father is still alive, but let me tell you the whole story. He didn't want you. He wanted you to be a part of this school. He didn't want to have anything to do with you anymore after the whole thing happened. But now you're an adult. Here's the information and do with it what you will. If you choose to go visit him, great. If you don't, I totally understand, Gene. End of conversation. Because at this point, she doesn't have the Phoenix Force. She doesn't have any of that. So there's no logical reason for Charles Xavier to withhold that. So even though they thought that was important enough to guide the conflict between her and Xavier, to me, it was unjustified and it just felt dumb. And I just couldn't suspend my disbelief for that. Um, other things that happen in the film that I just, just it really, it's all narrative and characters. And, and first of all, the narrative of this is just so bland. This was a bland movie. It was very just... I mean, I just felt yeah. like it was riding along and nothing was happening, or at least nothing interesting was happening. Things were happening, but man, just the conversations, the lines that these characters were given, the, the actors were trying their best. And that's why I gave them some props in my likes. But man, this script gave them nothing interesting to say, nothing of of circumstance yeah. or importance I felt from any of these dialogue or any of these conversations. And as Sterling, Sterling kind of alluded to, then when you had throwaway scenes, it felt like the director and the writers really tried. Like the scene with Dazzler, 
I mean, even though that's a meaningless scene, why was so much attention paid to detail paid to that? Why was the cinematography on that so good? Why did that look visually splendid? Why did that seem like energy was given to it when it was just a throwaway scene? But scenes that would really require your energy, dialogue that really would require your time, it seemed like those things were just forgotten about or run of the mill so that we could just pay more attention to scenes that honestly, in my opinion, just didn't really matter that much. So that was just um, some of the things that happened. And then there are just all kinds of just narrative errors that happen. Like, for instance, when Jean goes to visit her father, um, Heather pointed out a great point when she said that the the, the sharp, how she went from, oh, in that scene with Magneto, how she was like, oh, Magneto, I really need your help. And it seemed like this desperate cry. And then suddenly she took a sharp turn, kind of like Mystique that we talked about. And suddenly she was all destroying stuff and doing all of that. Well, I think about the scene uh, where she visits her father. And, you know, at first it's kind of this moment of confusion and she's getting to understand why her father did that and stuff. And it seemed like, you know, they, they were trying to make this scene kind of have some levity. Then all of a sudden she's looking at these pictures and she goes, where's my picture? And suddenly she was just hella angry. <laughs> like, again, that that's just another scene where uh, just... You know, we, we we didn't tell the story we needed to tell to get her to that point. She just saw the pictures and went, where's my picture? Ugh. And, and it just and I mean, it just was so jarring. And this and that kind of thing just happened often. And then what was also weird about that scene is, OK, she does that. She gets a little rumbly, but nothing happens. You know, she doesn't destroy anything. Nothing explodes. So then the next thing I know, the the X-Men, the their plane lands near um, her father's house. And then all of a sudden the cops show up and the cops are like strapped and ready to go and ready for action. And I was like, nothing has happened yet. Why are these cops like? like all gung-ho and coming here and like strapped and ready to go. Nothing even happened yet to like, to, for me, I felt like nothing had even happened for why the cops needed to show up like that or, and be like all confrontational and shit. I didn't understand that part. Like it was so weird that the cops showed up then. Why not after they started fighting and everything and the stuff was happening with Mystique, then the cops show up. It didn't make any sense for the cops to show up then, but they needed to show up then so that she could repel some of those cop cars back and have confrontations with them. But it was stupid when you really look at the narrative because nothing had happened. Who called the police? I just didn't understand. I just really didn't understand that part of it either. Um, and, and you guys alluded to some other things too, just like, and with the aliens, I think that's another thing that just really bothered me. I don't think it ever really gave me enough to really care about them. It just, the, the narrative just didn't give them, they just show up and they're wreaking havoc and they're shape-shifting and Sterling is right. I immediately thought, okay, they're, they seem remarkably similar to the scrolls. But like you said, it wasn't even that the, that, that Jessica Chastain didn't even have the charisma of that actor in that, in that movie. 
but in the Captain Marvel movie. But man, the narrative just didn't give you any reason to care for her. I just didn't get any care. I just could not care because the narrative just had her talking. They were explaining, oh, the Phoenix destroyed our planet and that's why we're here and that's why we're... But the narrative didn't show us any of that. We didn't get to see any of that. We didn't get to have any scenes with them to really understand where these aliens were coming from or anything. They weren't given any layers. So again, you just kind of have this bland antagonist fighting against our protagonist. And that's just not interesting. It's just not um, anything appealing. And, and, and that's really the biggest thing about this movie. This I felt like this is a movie that took zero chances. Like Sterling alluded to earlier, the writer just seemed to have written the same script. And then within the script, no chances were taken to be progressive. No chances were seemingly taken to do anything or, or, or have a message that was meaningful. And then even at the end of the movie where where um, Jessica Chastain says, your emotions make you weak. And and then uh, it was Gene Conda with the retort and the realization that, no, my emotions make me strong. It, it, it th Man, that was just so Captain Marvel. It's not even funny. And I understand yeah. that, yes, this was written before Captain Marvel, but we talked about Captain Marvel. Because of the narrative in Captain Marvel, when that happens to Carol Danvers, that scene lands and they show this beautiful montage yeah. of her standing up in all those situations and stuff like that. And that scene really lands. But in this movie, with Jean Grey jumping back and forth and taking all these sharp turns in her emotion and the narrative not really setting these things up, these emotions up in between scenes and everything like that, you just kind of chuckled when she when that scene happened. You just kind of chuckled and I couldn't help but think of Captain Marvel, which is just a superior movie to this in almost every way. So... I'm, I'm just was thoroughly disappointed to sum it all up. I was this was just extremely disappointed. The, the, the script gave nothing for the actors to do, really. The, the scenes were so bland um, from they just went from bland scene to bland scene to bland scene. And it's interesting that you say that that train scene was a reshoot, because to me, it almost felt like that train scene was directed by somebody different. And if that was a reshoot, then that kind of makes sense to me because the style of this direction, it just seems so bland and so uninteresting. And I felt like when it got to that train scene, things kind of picked up. Things were done differently with the camera. Uh, the pacing of it was a lot quicker and a lot faster. And I get that it was an action scene, but it didn't feel like the other action scenes, if that makes sense. And, I, and, and so if that was something that somebody else, an outside force demanded that he had to shoot and he had to reshoot, if that's the scene that stands out the most, of your direction and it was a scene that you were commanded to do a reshoot on or to shoot because that you guys had to create that on the fly well then that definitely explains a lot about this movie and i think that that uh pretty much ends my dislikes for this film okay oh, goodness so i've got a couple more things to add to this so you know you guys brought up the the motivations with uh gene gray's dad and everything like that and you know whether or not professor x's 
uh, motivations for erasing those memories were justified and all this other stuff. Was I the only one that thought like when they were really leaning on that, you know, he had erased some memories and stuff like that, that like what the dad was going to have had said in the past and how he was going to act to Jean Grey, you know, in the present time for the movie. Like, were, did you guys think it was going to be way worse? Like if he was like back in the past, he was like sitting there calling her a fucking monster and a murderer. <laughs> yep. And that like he yep. wanted to kill her or something. And that's why he, he erased it. Yeah. Or like I was totally expecting that uh, entire scene yeah. when she was at his house. For him just to end up saying something like, you know, whenever he went to go get her water and she's staring at the pictures and he she turns around and she's like, I'm not in any of these pictures. And he's actually holding a glass of water. I thought he was going to have like a gun <laughs> and just be like, you're a fucking murderer and a monster and I'm going to kill you. You killed my wife. Like, that's what I was expecting from that scene. And I'm like, oh, he, he's got a glass of water. It's not even a water gun. It's just <laughs> a glass of water. Like... <laughs> At least if they had done that and gone down that road where he was calling her a monster and murderer and he was like saying all this terrible, horrible shit, then it would justify the memory wipe and it would maybe justify keeping the memory wipe like he did. You know, that's I agree with that. that that's a good point. I didn't even look at that. Look at it from that perspective. But yeah, that would have definitely justified it more. I agree. Yeah, especially other than him being like, oh, I'm just really sad. So I can't have her around anymore. I'm like. So every one of these like movies that are around where it's like a single dad or a single mom, like after a thing, like he can't do even like the basic, you know, Lifetime or Disney movie version of this shit. Like he's just like, I'm super sad. So take my daughter away forever. <laughs> That's fine. I'm like, it was just so anti fucking climactic. And I just want to say to you two, I think both of you guys are being fairly fucking ridiculous about this. Because you guys are acting like there was actually a fucking story. There wasn't. Quit with that fucking bullshit. <laughs> Don't just say, oh, because it's a film, it has a story. It doesn't. I have seen porns with fucking better stories than this shit. There is not a fucking narrative in this movie. It's just a goddamn collection of scenes that are strung together loosely that have relevance to each other because the same fucking people are in them. That's about it so there's no real character motivations and there's no story because none of those things are actually interconnected to each other like you can't sit there and really try to think of what professor x's motivations were for any of this shit because there's not any there's not because anything that happened 30 seconds before this movie started the writer did not think of he didn't think anything past 30 seconds of the scene he was actually doing at the time either so i mean there's just no way to actually understand any of the motivations or what the story should have been or where it was or what it could have been or any of that shit because no one no one has that ability because it's not there I don't know if anyone heard that, but my cat totally chirped when I said that in unity with my point of view on that. Exactly, fat boy. Fat boy gets it. Why the fuck does this movie studio not get it? Fuck this movie. So you like it better than Rocket Man is what I'm hearing. Fuck you too, Heather. <laughs> fuck you. Fuck this movie. <laughs> fuck Ian Kinsberg or whoever the fuck this guy was. I don't remember his name. I don't fucking care to look up his name. Fuck that guy, too. I mean, it really is just a fitting end for the fucking X-Men movies that Fox started in, I don't remember, 1999 or, I get, no, I think it was 2002. Oh, whenever the fuck they did it. It's just a very fucking, it, like, fitting end to these. Because fuck all these movies. 
you know what? They all fucking suck. The exception to X-Men First Class, which is just a huge surprise because that's like the one not directed by a fucking sexual predator. So, of course, it has to be the only good one. And it is. It's at least a fucking good one. And at least that movie also shows like a way to interestingly take lesser known mutants and then making them interesting. Unlike any of these other fucking movies that just want to throw mutants in there just because, I don't know, they want to waste a fucking budget and just hire a bunch of extras to just be there to do shit. I don't fucking know. I mean, I really feel like the Fox Studios just like did something terrible and the Screen Actors Guild found out about it. And the Screen Actors Guild has just been blackmailing them that every time they do an X-Men movie, they've just got to use a stupid amount of extras just to get them another acting credit so they can get their SAG cards just to fucking fill the screen. Like, fuck having a point in a character. They just want as many fucking people on the screen at any given point as they possibly can fucking afford to do. And that's just every fucking one of these X-Men movies with the exception of First Class because First Class was good. So fuck Fox. And I'm so glad they fucking that Disney bought them out. I understand that now we have this huge monopoly when it comes to the entertainment industry. And there's already ramifications for it because now Disney also now owns Hulu, too. So they're actually going to own Hulu and the Disney Plus thing they are starting, which has huge ramifications when it comes to price models and streaming rights for other services and all this other stuff. Like there's terrible things that this can lead to. But at the same time, I'm so fucking happy Disney did that because Fox is garbage and they don't deserve this shit. And fuck this movie. Like seriously. But before we're done today, I do want to say a theory I have about the last mutant property that the the Fox uh, entertainment did make which has been very weird that everybody keeps saying, oh, this is the end of the X-Men era and all this other stuff, blah, 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 blah. Because technically there is one other movie in the pipeline that has been made that actually Disney just uh, um, ordered reshoots for. Disney had nothing to do with this movie other than the marketing campaign recently. But there is one other movie, and it's been very weird for me when everybody keeps saying the end of the X-Men, end of the X-Men. Because there is a movie called New Mutants, was supposed to come out this july but it got pushed in uh next april and it actually falls under the x-men brand of things it's mutants and it was made by fox now like i said disney ordered reshoots for this movie fairly recently and pushed it to april and so if anybody doesn't know what this new mutants movie was going to be about is going to be about some mutant teenagers that were going to be like locked away in an insane asylum and there's going to be like some horror elements and all this other stuff because they were going to be like experimented on and tortured and they would all like band together and make a team and get out and like i said disney ordered reshoots i don't know why they would they have zero money invested in this movie as of right now why all of a sudden would they throw more money into it they don't give a fuck if it loses money they have no money in it other than technically the purchasing price of buying um Fox Entertainment, which I mean, that covers a lot of other things, too. My theory with X-Men New Mutants is they're actually ordering reshoots to tweak it to now also be the introduction of mutants into the MCU. And they are going to take it from being Fox related, just mutant stuff into this is the introduction of the, the X gene in the MCU because it makes a lot of sense. You have what they've alluded to with uh, Spider-Man Far From Home with the introduction of the multiverse or and all the ramifications that Justin had possibly alluded to with 
the changes and the ramifications of using the Infinity Gauntlet and doing the snaps and all this other stuff. So my theory is, is that these kids are going to be the first mutants in this world. And what differentiates them from other just people with powers is the mutants are the ones that have it on a genetic level. Like it's in their DNA. Their DNA is physically different from ours. And most of the time they have like there are weird mutations. I mean, one of the mutants in this is played by what's her name? Uh, Maisley Williams, uh, Arya from uh, Game of Thrones. She's playing Wolfsbane, who is essentially a werewolf type of character. Um, she does mutate into a feral cat beast type of thing. And so with that, I'm thinking that these kids are going to be actually locked away in this lab situation or whatever being experimented on because they are the first examples of the genetic mutation just randomly showing up. And it would make sense also because they're teenagers, which is that's the whole big thing. In the X-Men is the fact that like once kids are teenagers, they start going through their mutations. They're, they, they're completely normal uh, when they're young. And then once they hit puberty uh, is when the changes set in. They typically develop their mutations and powers at that point in time. And I think that's what this is going to be, that all of a sudden these kids are turning, you know, like into puberty and stuff like that. And all of a sudden they're turning into mutants and they don't know why. So they're experimenting on, on them and all this other stuff. And they end up teaming together and they escape. And my theory, and I could be completely wrong about how it's going to end, but I think this is going to how it's going to be to end. If not, it's going to be a version of this, but they're going to escape and they're going to be outside this place. And they're going to be on the run. And then all of a sudden they're going to run into Nick Fury. And then mm. that's how you're going to know it's the MCU. Interesting. That would be a, that would be kind of cool actually. That'd be pretty sick. Well, God, however they get them, however they bridge that gap and get them to the MCU, please, because my God, man, this movie was just so bad that uh, I mean, the sooner the better. I mean, really, they're probably not even going to be in a hurry, honestly. But man, I I'm dying to see what they can do with these characters. I'm dying to see how much better they can tell this story because, man, this is just, uh, my goodness, man, this was bad. This was just, I'm, I'm so glad that Fox has been let go of it. And I really hope to see something better than this in the future. For sure. Surely it's got to be better. We'll see. And, and the reason why I think this is I do agree with you. I think it's going to be a while before we're going to traditionally see the X-Men. But I think by doing it this way, it allows them to introduce the idea of the X-Gene into the MCU. And then I also think it opens you up to having random villains that happen to be mutants in other films. Like you don't need the X-Men yet, but it just all the fucking villains that are, are mutants, it just opens up for them to be a part of something, you know, or just side characters or any number of things. I mean, technically, that would open up, you know, Omega Red can make an appearance in the Black Widow movie. Um, True. You know, just like little things like that. You, you can just have, I mean, depending on how you look at it, it might matter when it comes to Namor because Namor is technically a mutant. Um, I know he originally wasn't a mutant when he was introduced, but it has been retconned to where he is a mutant. He's not just, you know, Atlantean and human. He's He is a mutant. And while they already had the rights to Namor because of the fact that he was not introduced as a mutant, and it was retconned to be a mutant, kind of like uh, the Scarlet Witch and uh, Quicksilver. Um, that's why they were able to use both in both universes. Um, with this, I mean, it might just make it easier to have Namor be a mutant, you know, because that might set up some bigger things down the road. I mean, you could sit there and have... Like in Black Panther, too, it could be like Namor's the bad guy. But then you could also have like Namor working with randomly the White Queen 
you know, Emma Frost. And that's not too out of character for those two characters to work together, but it might be just a nice way to, you know, if the X genes already introduced, all of a sudden now you can have Emma Frost being something. You know, there's just so many ways you can throw some of these other characters into this stuff and make it work that way. Um, and I just, like I said, I've just got this sneaking suspicion that that's why Disney moved New Mutants. I think they're just using it. They're going to do some reshoots. They're going to tweak the script a little bit and just change a couple of things here and there. And it's all of a sudden it's now mutants in the MCU. I just, I see no other logical reason to actually waste money on it because I've got no reason to believe it's even a tenth as good as, of, as, uh, whatever the fuck, Dark Phoenix, whatever the fuck this movie's called. And that's saying a lot because I don't think this movie's good at all. And I've got just no reason to think New Mutants is any better. But Disney, sp- you know, felt a reason to spend some money on it when it didn't have to. You know, it could have just spent 50 million on the bud, you know, per the, the, uh, publicity and the, the advertising for it. And they could probably make 50 million back and then bam, it's covered. But no, they're spending legit money on it. I just, I have a sneaking suspicion. That's why. And that's my theory. And that's mainly the only reason why I ended up doing this episode of this podcast. Because other than that, fuck Dark Phoenix. I have nothing. I just, I didn't really even feel the need to say anything. But since everybody made me because I decided to be on this episode, it's just me roughly saying fuck this movie over and over again. And I just, like I said, I wanted to get my my X-Men New Mutants or how the fuck you want to call that movie, uh, the new mutants movie. Uh, I wanted to give my theory as to why it got delayed and all this other stuff, because if I'm right, I am motherfucking Nostradamus. If I'm right, if I nail that and I nail my King Kong versus Godzilla prediction, I'm going to start calling myself Nostradamus and I'm going to charge people a ton of money to listen to this podcast. Cause I just be predicting shit left and right. I'm also a little curious. Um, how, how many beers have you had tonight so far? <laughs> Not a fucking enough, that's for damn sure. <laughs> I just seriously, guys, and I'm so sorry, Cinefans, because you've heard me say fuck this movie to a lot of movies, and I just sound like a disgruntled old man sitting on my, like, movie theater front <laughs> porch telling movies to get off my lawn, you know? And it's just, it's been such garbage lately. It truly has. Like, how is the movie, like, out of, like, the six or seven or 27 billion movies we've watched and, you know, done podcasts for over the last couple of weeks? The one I thought going into this marathon of movies that I was going to like the least was Aladdin. And it's number two of good ones. I mean, it's one of two good ones in the last couple of weeks. I mean, well, I, knew, I guess three. I, w- I was forgetting Booksmart. But I mean, Rocketman, Booksmart, and Aladdin. I'm like, what What the fucking business does Aladdin have to be there? But that is, that's where it belongs. Uh, the last couple of weeks, it is definitely in the top three movies of the last couple of weeks. And I just would have, if you asked me a month ago, if I ever thought I'd be saying that, especially about that movie, no, I would have slapped you for just saying just such horrendous statements to my face. But nope, Aladdin is damn good, especially comparing it to all these other fucking garbage movies. Like if I had to compare it to this fucking movie, Aladdin might be the greatest movie of all time. Oh boy. When I compare it to this (laughs) shit fest. And how is this shit doing in the box office, man? I heard it was pretty deplorable. I don't that first weekend. I, I don't know the fucking exact number, but I can tell you it's the worst opening for an X-Men movie there has ever been. I know that. Yeah. And I know and I know critically speaking, this is the worst score that an X-Men movie has ever received. And there are a lot of people saying it is the worst well, X-Men movie. Yes and no. It right. de- it depends on whether or not you count uh X-Men uh Wolverine Origins as an X-Men movie. Yeah, which I- 
if you Which count I think it, that's the worst. If you count it as an X-Men movie, it has the lowest score and is the worst. No, you know what? I will say it's better than this because at least the opening sequence, the title sequence to X-Men Origins Wolverine. Yeah, is that's great. Very fucking good. And Leave Schreiber as Sabretooth is a fucking great. There's not a he, single he did do a good job. There's there there's nothing in this movie. Nothing's great. Nothing. I don't even I doubt that the tuna fish sandwiches they had from catering were even great. See, my thing is I'm actually surprised that it's the lowest box office because it's right off the end of Game of Thrones ending, you know, and like Sophie Turner just coming from that and people know who she is now. And I honestly thought a lot of people were going to be like, oh, I want to see her in this movie. So I'm actually surprised that it it got such a low box office the first weekend. But um, I mean, not to say that it's anything near what Game of Thrones was on any day, but, you know, just. I just if I had assumed that it was going to be a little bit more like, I don't know, I guess I thought the, the numbers would be better the first weekend. I also do want to say that they should have used Evan Peters in this movie a lot more. Just as a side note, who plays? No, no, they shouldn't have Quicksilver. because no, they shouldn't have because that would mean that they still need to do something with this movie. And at this point, no, they just shouldn't have fucking made it. That's the only thing we should be saying at this point is that they just should have never made this movie. They shouldn't change anything about it because nothing's going to fix it. It's still going to be a piece of shit. The only reasonable and logical way to fix this movie is to just never make it. Okay. Fuck this movie. I I guess the scores and recommendations at this point, I, I guess we still have to follow all our steps here. Heather, recommendation and score. Um, I would say... Honestly, like if you're into the X-Men franchise, you might as well just finish it out and see how they end it. <laughs> that would be my recommendation. Rating um, of this movie, the score, I'm going to give it 47 scenes showing off mind control powers by too many characters out of 100. I'm on a Jason level right now with that. What's up? Jason, your turn. Nice. Okay. Do I recommend this? No. I mean, I don't even know if I should even recommend this to a diehard fan because why would you want your diehard fandom tarnished by this? I mean, you should, if you're a diehard fan, you should hate this. You should, I mean, walk out feeling disgusted. This, this is the stuff of nightmares. This is, <laughs> this is almost back to like when we had stuff like Batman Forever and Batman and Robin and shit, where it was just terrible. And you're just sitting there going, man, dude, how could they do this to Batman? And I mean, this is the kind of movie where I'm sitting there going, how could they do this to the X-Men, man? How could they do this to them? Like, I'm not even like, like when it comes to comic book characters and stuff like that, you know, the X-Men are far from my favorites. But man, I'd be a liar if I didn't tell you that they were significant that they're iconic, that they mean so much to comic books and the universe and the messages and everything like that. I mean, at one time, X-Men was like, it, it was just this beacon when it comes to comic books and 
you know, the whole message about how being different, uh, how being different doesn't mean you're a menace. Being different doesn't make you a monster. It makes you special. Like, you know, X-Men always kind of had a special place in my heart for that alone. Now, even if it was, even if they aren't my favorite, favorite uh, comic book characters. And I just hate that this, that these writers, that the, that the director, I just hate that this was the best culmination film they could do. After all of these films, after all of these times you tripped and stumbled, and after all the times you, you saw, um, in your, in your movies, what makes a good one and what makes a bad one. And you'd think that coming to this one, some lessons would have been learned. We would have seen some adaptability. We would have seen some better storytelling with these characters after you've written them and dealt with them and produced them for so many years. And sadly, this is one of the worst efforts that I've seen when it comes to this franchise. And like we said, it's not the worst, but it's definitely one of the worst. And I looked up the box office score, $39 million domestically, man, 39 million. And only and only a hundred million worldwide, you know, only a hundred million overseas, which is sad, man. That's just really, really, really sad. Like when you look at how long these movies have been out, all of the great actors and people who have who came aboard on this on these projects and everything like that and everything that they tried to build up with this. And this is the best that you can do. So with that being said, I don't recommend it, man. There's uh, there's going to be better movies coming out. There are movies already out that you can go see. Go see Avengers uh, Endgame for the 12th time. Go pick up. Oh, here's what you can do. Captain Marvel just came out on Blu-ray, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Go buy that. Go pick up the DVD of Captain Marvel if you just want to see this movie done in superior fashion. That's what I would recommend you do. So my recommendation is to watch something <laughs> else. So with that being said, I'm going to give this I'm going to give this 28 uh, shades of blue makeup and blue rhinestones that J-Law agreed in her contract not to wear for very long <laughs> out of 100. Watch something else wow i'm not doing either one i'm not giving a recommendation i'm not giving a fucking score fuck this movie like if you don't understand how i feel about it yet i don't think anything i can say could sum it up better than i've already said it so listen to the words i've already said and figure out if i recommend it and then for my score i don't know give it something like just pick any number you want between negative a thousand and negative one out of i don't know pick any number above 100 just any <laughs> number you want just pick any of them and pick any of the one of those other numbers and that's my score whatever whatever you guys choose this is the choose your own score version of, of this podcast i gave you the parameters just choose one of them and that's my score for you for this movie just surprise me with it you know maybe maybe leave a message in a facebook comment saying hey this is what i chose for sterling's score and we'll just we'll just give it that <laughs> So, yeah, just we're going to go with those words. And other than that, guys, thank you guys for listening. I'm just insanely defeated at this point. I've got just I've got no zest for life anymore. Like, I don't even know if I could do my my little fast talking outro like I typically do because I'm just so fucking blah from this fucking movie. Like, I'm drained. 
I watched this like days ago, just talking about it. It's just zapped all the energy in and just fun out of my life. Kind of like it. It's kind of like I'm reliving watching this film again. Um, like I said, thank you guys for listening. Uh, let us know what you thought about X-Men Dark Phoenix. Let us know if you agree with us, disagree with us, anything like that. Maybe we missed something. Let us know what you thought. Uh, check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at cinema underscore slayers. Check us out on Facebook with Cinema Slayers. Uh, check us out anywhere podcasts are available. If you want to listen to it somewhere else, go listen to it. It's there. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Um, tell the coworkers that you like. Tell the coworkers you hate. Just tell everybody you can about our podcast. You know, leave us a rating review. Tell us what we can do better. Tell us what you like that we do. Um, anything like that just let us know what you're thinking about all this we want to hear from you guys and unlike this fucking movie according to Justin, moon knight is the best picture winner mm-hmm.